Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Such a precious spirit of God in our midst. And so I'm just really excited with what God's doing in our church and in your life. And we've been in a series called Churchology where we are asking a question that if we're going to be the church that Jesus is building, as we looked at Matthew 6 to begin this series, what does that church look like? Because we know that you can, a church can grow, but it doesn't mean that Jesus is building it. But a church that Jesus is building is a church that is growing in the right way, in the right way of influence, in the right way of impact, in the right way of evangelism, in the right way of, of spiritual growth and reaching people who don't know Jesus. We are in this month of October where we are looking at our missions program. We're looking at what God's called us to do as a church, the call of God to be followers of Jesus, to be a church that's being built by Jesus. I want to be a life that's built by Jesus, don't you? I want us to be a church, and I know you do too, to be a church that's built by Jesus. And so we've been taking the last several weeks and looking at what does it mean to be a church that's built by Jesus? And many times that in our lives that we ask God to bless what we're doing. So God, bless my passion. God, bless my church. And God, bless our ministry here. And God, bless what you're doing. But the reality is the great, the the right question is, hey, Lord, what are you doing? And what do you want to do in our midst? And give me, give me the ability to come into alignment with what you're already blessing and already doing. Amen. God is looking for a people that are willing to say yes to him, to say yes to what he's doing, to say yes to what he wants to build. And so we, as Faith Bible Chapel, want to be the church that Jesus is building. And so today, I I wanna lean into something that I believe is a very, very, it's foundational for us as a church. And so this, this series on churchology We need to understand that the topic today is a topic that should go deep in all of us. My prayer really is that all of us will leave here today with a new hunger for what God has in our lives personally, but also as a church. And so the church that Jesus is building is a church that is familiar with God, the Holy Spirit. A church that Jesus is building is familiar with God, the Holy Spirit. We're in a day and age in which we as Christians must be equipped to walk in unity with God. Now, in order to walk in unity with God, we need to understand the reality or the fullness of who he is and all that he is. And I believe there's something missing in the church today. I believe there's something missing in many Christians' lives. It's not necessarily on purpose. It's not necessarily because they are rejecting something. It's just because we are not aware of what's available to us. We do not at times biblically understand the function of or the fullness of God and who he is and what's he wa- what he wants to do in your life and in us as a church. Because we, we just biblically aren't maybe 
educated, we're not biblically understanding, and over the years, some things have, have gotten a little, here's a word I picked up in England, a little wonky. Have you ever heard of that word wonky? A little, a little, a little interesting. And because we don't fully understand it, or understand the function of the fullness of God, because of that, we're not living out or living in or living from what he has for you in your life and in your family. Listen, God's called every believer to walk in a supernatural realm. He's called every believer to understand the person that lives inside of you. And I believe God wants to enlarge our understanding today. And I'm gonna take the next two Sundays and lean into this topic. So today is, a, is an introduction to this understanding. But I believe God wants to, to, to enlarge our hearts and our minds to understand who he really is and what he has given you through the attributes and function of what is called the Trinity. What's called the Trinity. Now this isn't something I've preached on a lot and to be honest with you, it's because it, it takes time to unpack it. There have been discussions about the Trinity over 2,000 years. But the word Trinity is actually not in the Bible. But it is a word that has been created to describe the persons or the functions of God that are described in the Bible. God in three persons. Can we say that together? God in three persons persons. Those three persons who are God, who are fully God, we would know and find in the Bible as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they have a different function. They have a different personhood. They have a different, different impact, a different personality, different characteristics. They, they represent who God is, but they are functioning uniquely from each one as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we can see these different functions in the very beginning of the work of creation. And I want you to, to stay with me today because I believe that God has something fresh and new for you in this day, in this age, in this hour. We need to be the church that is anointed and called by God and functioning in the fullness of who God is in our world and in our families. Our children, our young people need to be familiar that God has gifted to them a supernatural power to live their lives on fire for him in our world. And so I want, I want us to understand today the invitation that God has given us to step into something that maybe we aren't walking in. But we see the function of these three persons in creation when God created the universe. And so God the Father, we see in Genesis 1, spoke the words. He said, let there be, and there was. And those words created the universe, but then it was God the Son, the eternal word of God, who executed and carried out the creative decrees of God and was in creation with God the Father. God the Son then carried it out. John 1, 3 says this, all things were made through him, speaking of Christ. And without him was not anything made that was made. 
Also in creation, we read that the Holy Spirit was moving or hovering over the face of the waters. In Genesis chapter 1, he was manifesting God's presence or breath of his creation. He was sustaining life. God the Father spoke. God the Son executed. God the Spirit was maintaining. That is the personhood of the Trinity. We also see these persons, their distinct functions of the Trinity in the redemption of humankind. I want you to think about this today, which is such a beautiful picture, but God the Father planned redemption for us. He created mankind. Adam and, Adam and Eve fell, but then he planned the redemption. And so he sent his one and only son into the world. The son obeyed and the son accomplished redemption for us through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. They are distinct, but here, here's the tricky thing over the, over the ages. They are one. They are different, but they are one. Now, for our minds, we're like, I don't get that. That doesn't make sense. Well, good. Because a God that you can fully understand with your finite mind probably is not God. God the Father, though, did not die for your sins. Nor did God the Spirit die for your sins. That was the particular work and function of God, the Son, Jesus. And yes, the doctrine of the Trinity is a mystery, and we'll never really fully understand it completely, but what we do know is God presents himself in Scripture as one God, eternally existing in three persons. The one God is a trinity of persons. And the church that Jesus is building, the church that is functioning the way that God intended it to function, the way that Jesus intended us to function by purchasing us with his blood, the way that God the Holy Spirit intends us to function with the power and anointing of what he gives us is to fully understand this idea of the Trinity. The truth and the function of the Trinity is one of the most important doctrines of the Christian faith. That's why most cults nullify the Trinity. Charles Spurgeon says this about the Trinity. He says, learn then, O believer, to love all the persons of the divine Trinity alike. Learn then... O believer, to love all the persons of the divine trinity alike. This is Charles Spurgeon. So for the most part, we are familiar with God the Father. We speak of him often. He's our creator. He's the one who created us to be in his family and in relationship with him. Jesus prays to God the Father as God the Son while he is on this earth and while he was fully God and fully man, we're familiar with God the Father in our lives. We're familiar with God the Son. We often speak of Jesus. We sing of Jesus. Our Easter services are all about the resurrection power of Jesus, the life of Jesus, that God the Father raised God the Son to life from the grave. And all who believe in him will have that same life. We're familiar with that. But this is where in the Trinity things get a little fuzzy. Things get a little confusing. Where the understandings of the persons of God and what he has done for us usually stops. And as I was praying about this message today, 
I, I'm telling you, I felt a real clarity from the Holy Spirit. And this is what I w- was impressed on my heart from the Holy Spirit. And this is what I sensed he say. And he says to you and he says to us as a church, he said this, I would like to introduce myself to my people. Listen, I know that the Holy Spirit is in all of us who know Christ or are in Christ. I'm not doubting that you know the Holy Spirit. But I believe there is more for you. There is more for me. There is more for us. There is more for us to understand. There is more supernatural workings in our life that we can step into, that we can know him more. We can be a vessel for him as God, the Holy Spirit, in our midst and through our lives. Now, we're going to take the next, this Sunday and two more, of really exploring the reality of the Holy Spirit in our day and in our age today. But I want us to lean in today to get this this overview of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. And so we start with this. When Jesus was with his disciples before he went to the cross, before he died and, and rose again, he began telling them, now listen, that a helper was coming, a counselor, an advocate, a comforter. He said the Holy Spirit will come. John 14, 26, Jesus says this, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Do, do, you, do you see the, the, the oneness and also the different functions of? Jesus said, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. John 15, Jesus also says, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth. So again, Jesus is speaking of God the Holy Spirit. After Jesus rose from the dead, he taught the disciples for 40 days. It's historically proven that he, he, he was, after he raised from the dead, he walked around and was witness for 40 days. He spoke to his disciples. He spoke to several hundred people. And before he ascended to heaven, he told his disciples Actually, excuse me. I actually want to go to John 16. This is a really important one. Jesus said this. He's speaking to his disciples before he died. It is to your advantage. Now look at that. It is to your advantage that I go away. Do you think the disciples thought it was to their advantage that Jesus went away? Think about it. Do you think they did? No. They're like, what are you talking about? Uh, We kind of like having you with us. But Jesus says it's actually to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper or the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, if I go, I will send him to you. So it is, we are walking in an advantage that Jesus has ascended and his Holy Spirit has come. So what does that mean? Acts chapter 1, Jesus said this. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So I want us to understand today that the work of the Holy Spirit on the earth is to bring, now listen to me, is to bring the completion 
of the work that has been planned by God the Father, begun by God the Son. The work of the Holy Spirit is to complete that work to and through you and me, the family of God on the earth. That's where we are today. Wayne Grudem, which is a great theologian and scholar, this is a quote from him. He says this, the work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. In the Bible, God the Holy Spirit is referred to as being present to do God's work in the world and in the church. He is working in our midst. He is moving in our midst. But here's the question, do we understand what that means? And so God the Holy Spirit, remember God the Son planned, or excuse me, God the Father planned, God the Son carried out the work of redemption. And then he said, it's to your advantage that, that I must go away so that the Holy Spirit can come. So the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit is the most prominent personhood of God that is with us today, that he is in our midst. He is present right now. He is the primary, this is the primary function of God in our lives as he works in our lives, as he moves in our lives. Now we're going to take the next couple of weeks and continue to lean into this, but I believe that God wants to do something in each one of your lives, understanding the work of the Holy Spirit. I believe the church has been stunted in its growth, in its impact, in its, in its life, in the, in the supernatural happenings in our midst because we don't understand the function or the age in which we are in, in which the primary, the primary personality, the primary function of God today is the flow and the anointing and the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God the Holy Spirit is the primary one in which God works through us. He dwells in all of God's family who entered through Christ. And most of us don't know much about him. There's a lot of mystery surrounded. There's a lot of, and because, because, and I believe it's a probably, a, well, I know it's a, a strategy of the enemy to make this idea of the Holy Spirit weird and wonky and it's been leveraged, it's been abused. A lot of things have been done that were not of God in the name of God the Holy Spirit. I'll be honest with you. But I cannot allow the sin and the deception of another man or another woman to tell us what we can and cannot look at according to the word of God. If we stay anchored to it, we will stay and walk into the supernatural happenings of God in a way that honors him and brings glory to him, not to a man, not to a person, not to a church, but to the Lord Jesus Christ and his Father. Amen. The Apostle Paul in Romans 8.23 calls God the Holy Spirit. He calls him the first fruits of the Spirit. He also calls him the down payment, speaking of our salvation, or the guarantee that we would, it's the guarantee that we will one day experience the full, unrestricted presence of God, that we will know 
in the new heaven and in the new earth. And we have his presence now, please hear me today, but not all of it just yet. This is something I'm going to lean into over the next couple of weeks. We are living in the age of the power of the Holy Spirit, in the age of the kingdom of God, now, but not yet. There are glimpses and things that we see today that, that show us of the kingdom that's coming, but the full kingdom is not, has not come yet. We are still living in an age that the Holy Spirit is working through us and in us. And we see these, these, these happenings of the Spirit. We see healing. We see deliverance. We see the gifts of the Spirit. We see them in our midst. And so we think they should always be. Here's the, here's the reality. They will not always be in every situation because the full kingdom has not arrived yet. But friends, it is one day. And the Holy Spirit is a guarantee that one day we will walk into the unrestricted presence of God. That one day your physical body that I know you love so much as it gives you so many problems, it won't give you problems anymore. That's why God's, God's going to give you a new body. So we are living in the age of the Spirit, but not the full manifestation of God's Spirit just yet. The activity of the Holy Spirit is among us. And I want us to look at just one point today of the activity of God, the Holy Spirit. Again, this is at a 40,000 feet view. And I, I need to lay this foundation for us as we step into the next couple weeks and pursue God together. But one of the main activities of God, the Holy Spirit, is, is this, to bring life and to be a blessing. It's to bring life and to be a blessing. Though the life-giving blessing of the Holy Spirit is mainly seen through the new covenant. We see it active, we see it functioning, we see it in the New Testament. And the, and the, and the, the activity of the God, the Holy Spirit has always been the nature of him has always been to bless and to bring life. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah says this, of the time God the Holy Spirit will come after the work of Christ is completed. This is what he says in Isaiah 32. For the palace is forsaken and the populous city deserted. So this is a, there's a season, there's a time that before the work of Christ, before the Holy Spirit came, that there was, a, there was an emptiness of the Spirit on the earth. And things are deserted and the palace is forsaken. But something happens. It's deserted until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high. And the wilderness becomes fruitful field. Now look at the contrast. Wilderness is, is, exists after the spirit moves in our lives and, and, and on the earth. It now becomes a fruitful field. And then not only that, that fruitful field is deemed a forest, a strength and a force of provision. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness and righteousness abide in the fruitful field. And the effect of righteousness will be peace and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings and in quiet resting places. This is the speaking of the spirit that is to come. 
But this is the old covenant. It's a glimpse of. The very nature of God the Holy Spirit in us and on the earth is to bless you. Now listen, is to bless, is to restore, and is to give life to you. This is the age we are living in today. Isaiah 44.3 also says this, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. As you see it, it look at this. Look at the, the contrast. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing upon your descendants. Now he's speaking of the blessing that will come through the seed of Abraham, which in Galatians 3 says is Christ. Everybody say Christ. So the descendants and the offspring of, of the, the blessing of that is all those who put their trust in Christ. That is the blessing of the spirit comes to them. Isaiah, though, I want you to think about this, was looking to the time when God, the Holy Spirit, would come and would bring life and would bless and would restore and he would heal and he would save. He was looking to a time where God, the Holy Spirit, was present in our midst. Isaiah, though he did not experience that age, he didn't experience what you experience. He didn't experience or he didn't have available what you have available to you today in the person of the Holy Spirit. But he saw it from a distance prophetically and he saw what you and I, he described where you and I are living today, which is the age of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. And many prophecies of the Old Testament predicted a time when God the Holy Spirit would come in greater fullness, a time when God would make a new covenant with his people, a new covenant with you. As we read earlier, Jesus spoke of the blessing that was to come of the Spirit. Jesus also said in John 6, 30, 63, he says, it is the Spirit who gives life and the flesh profits nothing. It's the Spirit who gives life. It was the Holy Spirit. Now listen, listen to this. I want you to begin to connect some of these dots because this is a, an area that biblically we, we, have a, we, we just haven't connected the dots. It was the Holy Spirit who conceived Jesus in the womb of the Virgin Mary. It's the same Holy Spirit that on the day when Christ returns, he will complete the work of God the Father, God the Son, and give resurrection life to our mortal bodies, according to Romans 8. It's the work of the Spirit. That's where we are today. And that's what is to come at the return of Christ. You guys with me today? But it's important that we understand there's also... Another side that it's important for me as your pastor and even in my own life to share today. There's another side of this. The departure of God the Holy Spirit means his blessing leaves with him. Where the Holy Spirit dwells, he brings, because that's, that's what he is. He, the nature of who he is is to bless you, is to anoint you is to do supernatural things in your life. It's for you to feel the manifest presence of God, for you to experience deliverance. 
If we are living a life, a Christian life, that is not adventurous, that is kind of like humdum and whatever, and nothing ever happens in our life, nothing ever supernatural, we, we, we don't have the expectation that God can move, God can do anything, and we're not walking in that. It means we don't understand what is available to us and what I believe God wants to pour out on your life and my life and our church. We need to understand it is available to us. But there is another side. That when the Holy Spirit leaves a place, his blessing goes with him. And the departure of God the Holy Spirit means his blessing doesn't reside where he used to. And we see this in Isaiah as well when God's people rejected God's ways. I want you just to catch that for a second. When God's people rejected God's ways, when they disinvited him, They literally disinvited God. And they rebelled against him. Isaiah 63.10 says this. They rebelled, speaking of the children of Israel, and grieved his Holy Spirit. The New Testament would refer to this as a quenching of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he, who's he? God, the Holy Spirit, turned to be their enemy and himself fought against them. There is more correction in the word of God to the people of God than there are to people who don't know him. And we see here that when God's people disinvite the Holy Spirit, when God's people choose to go their own way and do their own thing, and then the scary thing is many people do it in the name of God. They say, it's okay, God loves, it's okay, I'm following Jesus, but I'm not following what Jesus teaches. The blessing departs from their life. But on the other side, As we welcome the Holy Spirit in our midst, his blessing comes fresh and new. The life-giving blessing that naturally flows from the nature and the presence of God, the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our midst must not be taken for granted. It must not be explained away. It must not be something that, oh yeah, I don't understand that, therefore, I don't worry about it. What God, and hear my heart today, according to scripture, what God does and doesn't do among his people is not accidental. It's not accidental. Now we know the scripture says that, yeah, God, God you know, he reigns on the, on the just and the unjust. Well, that is, that, that's including those who are right and those who, are, those who know him, those who don't know him. There's this aspect of God does what he wants because he's God and he can do that. But what God doesn't do and does do in our midst as his people is a direct response to the intent of our lives and our church. Now hear my heart today to welcome God, the Holy Spirit, in our midst It's a direct correlation that if you want God, the Holy Spirit in your life, and you invite him into your life, and you are open to him in your life, guess what? He responds to that invitation. 
The more we open our lives to him, the more his very nature impacts and influences your life, your mind, your being, who you are. Listen, this this doesn't mean that we're not going to have difficult times. The scripture is very clear that we will. It doesn't mean that we're not going to face trials. Scripture says we will face trials of many kinds. It doesn't mean that we're not going to face death. The scripture says it's appointed a time. God's appointed a time for every person to die. But what it does mean that in any situation, regardless of the outcome, we can trust in the nature of the one who dwells in us. We can seek him for supernatural happenings. We can pray for healings and God can do it. God can use us as we reach the lost around us. He can anoint us. We can walk in in gifts and words of knowledge and we can have a, 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 a a personality, we can walk in a, in an understanding of God that wants to flow through us, wants to use us in a supernatural way and bring us into his blessing. At the moment you gave your life to and received salvation through Christ, God the Holy Spirit gave you life. He began to bless your being and according to the Bible, he occupies your body to use as his temple. Think about that. When you gave your life to Jesus, when you came into alignment of the work of Christ, the Holy Spirit came in your body and is using you as a temple to bring glory and honor through your life, through your body. Paul says this, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, whom you have received from God. So the beginning of this, these three messages, this is really the baseline of it all. Whatever you give God the Holy Spirit access to, his nature is to bless and breathe new life into whatever he has been given access to. He will not force his way in any of our lives. He will not force you to give him access to your mind. He will not force you to give you access. He will not force you to give him access to your obedience. He will convict you, he will speak to you, he doesn't force you. He will not force you to receive the gifts that he has given you when you came to Christ. He will not force you to walk in the supernatural in your life and in words of knowledge and words of wisdom and and gifts of healing or even gifts of tongues. He won't force you to receive receive those. But but if you do say, hey, Lord, what, what gift have you given me? And you invite him into your life, he will respond. And he will begin to bless you. A yes to the Holy Spirit is a is a yes to a life of adventure. A yes to the Holy Spirit is a yes to, the, to, to a life of the supernatural. A yes to the Holy Spirit is a yes that you would carry out the mission, the purpose of God. A yes to the Holy Spirit is that your home and your life is filled with the presence of God Almighty through the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit that he is, he wants to move in you and through you and by you. He wants to use you. He wants to minister to you. He wants to give you peace. You have an advocate and he he is all dwelling right now in our midst and inside of you. He's just asking for access. 
as you invite him into your life, God the Holy Spirit heals your life. He begins to bless your life. He begins to sanctify you. He regenerates you. As you live your life open and surrendered to God, he gives you supernatural spiritual gifts for you to use to bless other believers, to be a witness to unbelievers, to bring glory and honor to God. As you ask him, as you ask him, he illuminates the scriptures. He reveals life-giving truth and direction. He gives you answers for every day and how he wants to lead you and guide you. He empowers you to come under the authority of Scripture. He gives you discernment between what is good for you and what is pleasing to God and what is not good for you. And he gives you and, and reveals to you, he convicts you the things that are in your life that aren't pleasing to God and that are a hindrance to you. He gives you the ability to repent and surrender to God. He gives you the ability to be loyal to God and live your life for him. He guides your steps. Now listen to me. He guides your decisions. He helps you to know all truth. Say all truth. But he won't force all of that on you. But according to scripture, friends, This is why he came. I believe with all my heart that God, the Holy Spirit, wants to introduce or reintroduce himself to you. I believe with all of my heart that God, the Holy Spirit, wants to reintroduce himself to us as a church. I believe that God wants to do something fresh in them. I believe that God has a supernatural happenings in your life. He's waiting for you to invite him. He's a perfect gentleman. He will never force anything on you. But he does wait for your invitation. Sometimes it's easy to think of God the Holy Spirit as a presence or as a force or a demonstration or, whoa, that was crazy. Must have been the Holy Spirit. I don't know. But we can forget, friends, that he is a person. He's a person. And we are to consciously, I want you to hear what I just said. We are to consciously relate to him as a person whose function is distinct from God the Father, God the Son. He is present, though, in your life. He wants to bless your life. He wants to bring life to the things that, because of our own selfishness, because of our own pride, because of our own fleshly desires, things have died. We are living in a natural world as followers of Jesus. 
Yes, but he has given us a supernatural anointing to live supernatural. To have the mind of Christ. To walk and experience the things of him as the spirit. He wants you to know him as a close guide who never leaves you. It's interesting, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, as we read earlier in the beginning of this, he promised that another teacher, another one, well, I, I think the disciples are pretty good with Jesus, right? As I said earlier, like, I, they were like, you know, Jesus, you're okay. Could you send us somebody else good to help us out just in these other areas? They were like, what do you mean? Jesus, you are the greatest teacher. And so Jesus says, I, listen, listen, a, a helper's coming, a comforter's coming, an advocate's coming. Well, they're thinking, isn't that who you are? That means, that means that they, they currently had Jesus. They had all the things from Jesus. Jesus said, another one's coming. But Jesus is saying, just as I have been with you, now hear me today, Another will also be with you. God the Father we see in creation, his plan. God the Son we see, we celebrate Christmas. And for 33 years he lived his life on this earth. But now, from the ascension of Jesus, we need to be very aware that God the Holy Spirit is in our midst today. Today, until the return of Christ. And I think a lot of confusion around God, the Holy Spirit, and, and this is what the Lord's speaking to me and dealing in my own life with, is that, is that the, the confusion comes from the enemy because he doesn't want us walking in what Jesus is talking about. Listen, I'm sending another, it's to your advantage that I go because I'm sending one that's going to rock your world. And we all are together. The Spirit points to the Son. The Son points to the Father. The Father points to the Spirit and Son. It's one. So many times when you read in Scripture, you can think, man, and listen, I've done this in my life. Have you ever gone through a difficult time and been like, and you read and you see the disciples hanging out with Jesus and you see them asking them questions and be like, what I wouldn't give for 20 minutes with you right now, Jesus. Right? We think that. We think, man, look at them. They get to talk to face-to-face conversations. God, I wish, Jesus, I wish I could talk to you like this. I wish, Jesus, you could comfort me like you're talking to Peter. And I wish you could give me some guidance on what to do. Jesus, I'm hurting. I wish I could just, I, could you heal my heart? Could you calm my anxieties? Could you, could, could you answer my questions? Jesus, it's not fair. The disciples got all of that with you. Jesus, I just want to see you. Hear me today. God, the Holy Spirit, wants you to know that he is all those things that you need. He wants you to know that he is with you. Just as Jesus could comfort and strengthen his disciples, 
We can be comforted and strengthened through his spirit who dwells in us. If Jesus says, <laughs> it's an advantage that I go away. And we are, we, we're wanting to have what the disciples said. And there's nothing wrong with it. Jesus is our Savior. Our Lord. I, I, I get all, the, all of that. But Jesus said, but hang on, fellas. My person, God the Son, has accomplished what I came to do as God in the flesh. I'll be back. But until then, I'm giving you an advantage. God the Holy Spirit was Jesus' promise to all those who are in him. And I think all of us would agree that the coming of the Holy Spirit was a good thing. We talk, yes, amen, it's a good thing, yes, thank you, God. It's a good thing. But the question for us today, and this, this is really the heart of what I believe God is asking of me, and God the Holy Spirit is, is asking to reintroduce himself to us. The question for us today is, can we honestly say that his role in our life is similar to the presence of Jesus in the lives of the disciples because, because it's supposed to be. Think about that. It's supposed to be. That's the way it's supposed to be. We're not, to be, we're not supposed to be at a disadvantage of the disciples. We are to walk in the advantage that Jesus said, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit who's going to anoint you, going to give you gifts, going to be a helper, going to comfort you, going to be an advocate for you. As I was preparing for this message, I was deeply convicted because I have not relied on, I have taken for granted what the gift that Jesus gave me, gave us I was deeply convicted of what is available to me. I'm not walking in it. What, was, what is seen in the word of God, I have, I have stepped back because I've, I've seen the abuses of stupid men who abuse God's precious people in the name of the Holy Spirit. And I step back out of fear. Lord, the last thing I ever want to do is misrepresent you. I would rather die than ever to that. But the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, can I reintroduce myself to you, son? Can you not look at me through the eyes of stupid men <laughs> and just see me for who I am? for the gift that I am to you, for what I've given you access down in your bones, son. Can you let me be what Jesus said I, I came to be? Can you allow me to have the freedom in your life? And of course the answer was yes. Many of us have taken for granted promise from Jesus that he is going to go away. But the promise is God the Holy Spirit. 
so many believers are walking in a carnal Christianity. We read the Bible through the lens of humanity instead of through the lens of the supernatural happenings of God. And I believe with all of my heart that God wants us to become hungry, open, inviting God the Holy Spirit in our midst. That's the age we live in. I believe that we have turned away from what God made available. We have mentally made adjustments that dismiss what the Holy Spirit came to do. And I believe the Holy Spirit is knocking on the doors of our life in this hour. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I believe that the Lord wants to stir up a hunger in us that we would give him access to our lives. Amen? We would give him access to our church gatherings. Amen? We would allow him to do what he chooses to do. That we would ask him, and we're going to take some time over the next couple of weeks, what gifts have you given me? We're going to ask him, Lord, how do you want to use me? We're going to ask him that he would remove our earthly thinking about what he can and cannot do. And we're going to walk with him according to the scriptures. And we're going to allow him to be what he's promised to be in our lives. May we become hungry for the work of God the Holy Spirit. May we welcome him and give give him full access in our lives. So here's my challenge to you today and this week is invite him into your life. Invite him into your situation. Invite him into the things that you don't know the answer to. Invite him into your sickness. Invite him into a struggle you're going through. Invite him into your pain and ask him for comfort. Invite him into your moment of being limited in who you are and in your mind and invite him to give you a word of wisdom a word of knowledge. Invite him as you live your life to walk in the supernatural anointing of who he is. Invite him to allow you to be a witness to those who don't know him. Invite him into your life. Wake up and say, Holy Spirit, I invite you into my life. I give you access. And today the question is this, what areas have in your life have you not given him access to? What areas of your life have you not asked him to to come in and move? And so it's a simple prayer is come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. 
If we can, let's just bow our heads today. Holy Spirit, we recognize that you are speaking to us. And so, Lord, we as a church today, we say, come, Holy Spirit, in our midst. Come and have your way. Come and lead your people. Come and introduce, reintroduce yourself to us as we lay aside the confusion that has come through men and women. As we lay aside all those things, as we lay aside fear, as we lay aside all of that, we just come to you and we invite you into our lives. Just right where you are right now, ask him, invite him into your life. Just say, come Holy Spirit into my life. Just say it right now, say it with me. Come Holy Spirit into my life. Just tell him today, I give you access of my whole life. Just tell him, I give you access of my whole life. May you have your way in our midst. Over these next couple Sundays, God, from, from this mo moment on, this week, may you lift our expectation. May you raise our expectation that we would be looking to you. God, that we would be looking to the function of Holy Spirit in our lives. That we would submit ourselves under the word of God as it speaks to us. May you remind us that we are not alone in our struggle. We are not alone in our difficulty. We are not anchored to our the vulnerabilities and the fragility of our humanity. Though yes, we are, we are also serving a God that is supernatural and wants to move in our lives and wants to release a fresh anointing on our lives, wants to restore everything the enemy has stolen from us, wants to move in us, wants to break off wrong thinking, wants to deliver us from demonic strategies in our life, wants to use us to be a light and to the world and salt in the world, wants to wants to find a place to land. And so, Lord, today, we recognize that when, Jesus, you were baptized, the Holy Spirit descended as a dove. And the one thing a dove does is it looks for a safe place to land. May your fullness and your totality of what Jesus promised, Holy Spirit, may it function in our midst as we open our lives to walk with you more and more. In Jesus' name. Just remain with your heads bowed today. If you're here today and you recognize you do not know Jesus and you feel the Holy Spirit revealing to you that you are a sinner, that you need Jesus Christ. If you wanna give your life to him, nobody is looking around. I'm just gonna ask you right now just to raise your hand right where you are. God bless you, thank you, thank you. Just raise your hand, Nobody, nobody's looking. Thank you, God bless you. Thank you, amen. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And if you mean this with your heart, if you believe this with all of your heart and confess with your mouth, 
as you come into alignment with the work of Christ that says that you will be saved. Let's pray, church, and everybody together. Lord Jesus, forgive me, cleanse me. I believe that you're the Son of God, Jesus. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. And you did it all for me. I put my faith in you today. I give you my life. Give me a new heart. Give me a new mind. I receive you, Holy Spirit. And from this moment on, I will live for you. And I will be used of you. And I will tell others about you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand today? Thank you, Jesus. If you gave your life to Jesus today, right in front of you is a connect card. You can just fill that out, check the box. You can drop it off in the white buckets when you leave. We would love to help you on this journey. You can't do it alone. God's called you to be a part of a church. And I believe this is a great church for you to be a part of, amen? Let's all stand to our feet. I'd be honored if you allow me to pray for you today and just pray God's blessing over your life. And if you would like just to receive God's blessing, if you could just lift your hands to the Lord just to receive from him. Father, in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we come to you. And Holy Spirit, we ask you that you would move in our midst, that God, your precious people who are, have so many needs and so many things they're facing, and Lord, they're living in a world that, that God is going to require them to be anointed by you. The God in this room and those joining us online are those who are willing to receive power from you from on high to live victorious lives. For you, for you to move in them and through them to heal their hearts, restore their minds, heal their marriages. God, we pray today for prodigal children of all those who are represented here, that they would return by the power of the Holy Spirit. That God, today, as all of us leave this room, we, are, we know that we are entering in to our mission field, that we have been called to serve, we've been called to reach, we've been called to walk in the supernatural. And so God, I ask you today that your spirit would fill each and every one of us fresh and new as we leave here in a new expectation that you want to move in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen.